soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeat in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. And that the voice of General Dwight D. Eisenhower, born in Texas, raised in Kansas. And those words from this day, June 6, back in 1944, as we mark the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Welcome in to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And yes, what a huge day that was three quarters of a century ago and Luckily, some of you listening to this right now might even remember that you're old enough to have survived World War II and all the decades that have followed. And some of you actually might even be World War II veterans. Not many of you left, but the ones that we still have, we are so grateful for. And thank you for your service and thank you for listening to y'all. I'm John Rawl here on this June 6 D-Day 75th anniversary. And as a student of military history, of course, that battle and that conflict, World War II, literally shaped the face of the earth for all the time since. And we could not have done it without the bravery and sacrifice of those boys in olive drab and our allies from that time period. We'll have more on that momentarily as we let you know that this show is the show that's all about the South. And as a part of that, we salute our veterans and our heroes because we're pro-American here and we're pro-Southern too. All right, coming up on today's Y'all Show, in addition to headlines like what's going on with D-Day's 75th anniversary, we have other updates from across the South to tell you about. Plus, later this hour, we're going to let you know what's going going on right now at y'all.com, including a story on D-Day. If you log on right now, go to y'all.com, check that out, plus a lot of other great content, some delicious content to pass along, and we'll let you know what the editors at y'all.com have going on this week. And later this hour, we'll have our Festive South feature if you're just itching to go somewhere. And I, I, I was itching to go to Normandy for the 75th anniversary of D-Day, but unfortunately, I didn't make it. Maybe I'll make it to the 100th anniversary here in 25 years. Uh, maybe, maybe I'd love to see a World War II vet at that. I don't think that's possible, but we'll keep our hopes up at least. 
But yes, Festive South is where we feature great destinations for you to go to in this month of June. We've got some awesome festivals going on, plus some other really neat things. It's Festive South that's coming up later this hour. And when we turn the page to hour two of the Y'all Show, believe it or not, we're just days away from our first birthday. Happy birthday to y'all. <laughs> and on June 18th, we turn one year old. And to help get us ready for the celebration, we're going back in the archives and pulling up some of our wonderful interviews from this last year. And we're going to go back to July 12th of 2018 for an interview we did with author Kevin Powers. Powers, a native of the Richmond, Virginia area who now lives in Austin, Texas. He served in the Iraq War, and he took that experience and turned it into penmanship. And he's penned two books that are worth noting one of which got turned into a movie that Jennifer Aniston helped produce and starred in called The Yellow Birds. And Kevin Powers also has a newer book out called A Shout in the Ruins. And we are going to have a little bit of that interview from last summer aired today in our second hour in our Buy the Book feature. Kevin Powers, a Virginian slash Texan, but just a darn good Southern author, will be our special guest as we go back in the archives for that. Plus, in hour two, we'll have our SEC spotlight. Oh, my goodness, the Southeastern Conference is putting it on when it comes to college baseball. More than five teams have punched their ticket to this weekend's Super Regionals. And we'll start it off in hour two with a salute to the Auburn Tigers. Maybe the biggest surprise of all as they went to Atlanta and got a regional win against Georgia Tech and others. And the Plainsmen will be suiting up in Chapel Hill this weekend in the Super Regionals, but they're one of many SEC teams. In fact, on Friday, the Vanderbilt Commodores get things going for the conference when they face off against Duke in Nashville, and we'll actually hear a little bit of Tim Corbin talking about the matchup in the second hour. Plus, the University of Mississippi Land Sharks are still swimming, and they're going to be swimming up to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to face a familiar foe in this weekend's Super Regional as Bomb Stadium welcomes in Mississippi for a SEC West rivalry between Mississippi and the Arkansas Razorbacks and Tim Van Horn. His team looking to get back to Omaha and maybe pick up a national championship. They were just one squeeze of the glove away from winning the national championship in 2018 and now wanting to get a chance to go back. So we'll have SEC baseball and the NCAA tournament to get to. Plus, we have other gridiron and basketball news from the SEC to tell you about. Also, a departure from the University of Mississippi to Texas A&M for an athletic director. That's coming up. And then we'll have some fun looking at the brand new policy for alcohol that the SEC approved while they were in Destin, Florida last week. And we're actually going to get some audio from Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. And Rich, is, he's got his own syndicated show, but he had some fun at the SEC's expense regarding the new SEC alcohol policy, which lifts bans on alcohol in stadiums. And so you can now get you a brew and watch a little football if your participating school signs off on it. So that is coming up in hour two. A lot of fun here on today's y'all show and if you want to connect to us we welcome your feedback our number is 803-816-1170 our website y'all.com and on twitter you can find us at y'all show on instagram at y'all show and of course we have our friendly apps on your iphone or smartphone or if you have an ipad and those three apps are all free, and you can listen to the Y'all Show free of charge. Simply search for the iTunes podcast app or the iHeartRadio app or the TuneIn Radio app. 
If you have any of those three, go on there and search Y'all Show. You'll see us pop up our pretty little red logo. And you hit subscribe and each and every day. In addition to airing on great radio stations across the southeast, we are also available in a streaming way that you can listen to it at at your leisure, on demand. And that's a great thing. Even if you like to listen to us on the radio, which we encourage you to, it's, it is magical to hear us on the radio, to be honest with you. Not just me, but the music that we play, the, the interviews that we do. That's really cool to be riding down the road and, and catch it. In fact, I got to tell you right now, I was actually fortunate enough, I guess is the word to say, to run into a fellow on Wednesday when I was having lunch. His name's David from Bishopville, South Carolina. And I struck up a conversation because David had a bunch of Clemson paraphernalia on his pickup truck. And I had already eaten. And I had gone out to my car, but that was the only pickup truck in the parking lot. It was like 2 o'clock, not exactly a prime time to be eating. And I decided to be nosy and go back in there and pick on whoever it was that had a Clemson sticker actually multiple clemson stickers on the back of their pick em up truck and i went in there he was the only one in there and i said okay you got about five minutes to get out of the county we, we don't allow clemson stuff in this county and one thing led to another turned out great guy in fact here's how crazy this world is here's how small this world is david works with the south carolina farm bureau and he knows my brother and he knows my family and has been out to my family's farm and just amazing that just because i had something kind of smart aleck to pick on him about it turns into more than an hour-long conversation and to to add to all of that craziness is he asked me what i did and i told him i did this show about the south called y'all he goes wait a minute I, i actually just heard a show like that on the radio and I said, well, you heard me. He goes, you're right, because you were talking about something back in South Carolina. So how about that? We actually have, I can I can verify, e-verify, that we actually have at least one listener of the Y'all Show. And David, thank you for listening. Thank you for finding us on the radio dial. See, that's why we need more radio stations. You magically find people who are just passing through the area, as David was, and and caught our show. And then I guess he did put us on pause to go get something to eat. I don't blame you, David. When the stomach churns, you, you gotta, you gotta fuel the fire. But I thank you for listening and, and great to talk to you. And hopefully we'll catch up again. And as I told him, and I don't mean to sit here and talk football with you, but hey, we're getting close. Believe it or not, we're less than 90 days away from the start of college football now. It might even be closer to 80, might even be closer to 60, frankly, if I sit here and think about it. <laughs> but Clemson opens up on that first Thursday of the season against Georgia Tech on the brand new ACCN. And so he's excited about that. David goes to all the games. But I, I told David, I am no lover of Clemson. That's the one team in college football that I'll tell you I've never liked and don't intend to like. It would be easy to like them right now. Go Tigers for all you Tiger fans. But as I told him, as a guy who does not like Clemson, never has, I have to admit Clemson is the best team in college football, not just because they're number one, but they and Alabama are on a, are on a level no one else is on. And I think Clemson's better than Alabama. And that's, that's hard for me to admit, but I can't help it. And David told me that he had a huge Gamecock fan that he knew back in South Carolina that pretty much said the same thing. I mean, the guy's arrogant for his love of Gamecock stuff. And he said, dadgummit, I hate Clemson 
more than anything in the world, but y'all have a great coach. And Dabo Sweeney has certainly proven to be a great coach and a successful coach, winning two of the last, what, three national championships in college football. So that is just kind of the power of the Y'all Show and the power of terrestrial radio. And David, great to talk to you. Good luck in your travels around the Southeast. And maybe I'll think of some more thoughts in our more than hour long conversation which was an amazing thing that i i asked david if i could take his picture because david is a doppelganger to the late great billy brewer head football coach now that we're talking about football uh, billy brewer was the longtime head football coach of the old miss rebels and a, a personal friend of mine billy brewer and i actually started a radio show together called the hotty toddy hotline that's been on the radio since 2005 and golly david from bishopville south carolina he looks like if he put on an Ole Miss polo, he would go around Mississippi and people like, Billy Brewer's come back. I wish Billy the dog Brewer was back. What a great guy. But yes, David, thank you and good luck with your travels and all that you do with the South Carolina Farm Bureau and to all of our Farm Bureau associations that we have. That's a major presence in the Southeast. Did y'all know, speaking of Mississippi and Billy Brewer, did y'all know where Farm Bureau's headquarters is, the Southern Farm Bureau? It would be Jackson, Mississippi. I think it's Jackson. If it's not Jackson, it's Madison, which is right to the north of Jackson. But I think technically they're right on County Line Road in Jackson, Mississippi. So all of you farmers, you, you probably are familiar with Farm Bureau. There you have it. All right. See, that's the kind of information we share with you here on the Y'all Show. You you don't get the boring Trump talk 24-7 on this show. You get stuff like Farm Bureau talk and, and college football talk. All right, let's get to the important news of the day. And again, as we start our headlines, going back to our audio we played at the beginning, it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day and an important date. We don't want to discount that at all. In fact, if you've seen the news here lately, this guy's not from the South, but boy, what great genes Tom Rice of San Diego has. The 97-year-old jumped out of an airplane on wednesday i think it was in france to commemorate the 75th anniversary of d-day and he got into a bone retlin c-47 and jumped out and he did it back in 1947 he did it again congratulations to tom rice san diego california for for doing that now that's a that's a sweet story right how about this story from right here in the south as a whole host of veterans from the memphis area and the mid-south were able to go to normandy this week for the 75th anniversary of d-day thanks to a local nonprofit in the collierville tennessee area that took these veterans who participated in the normandy battle 75 years ago the nonprofit group forever young senior veterans and its founder diane height she said the trip arranged was had been in works for at least three years and the veterans on the trip ranged from age 93 to 102 years old and they include three veterans from the mid-south and seven who haven't visited normandy since world war ii ended i'm looking at a group shot and there's about a dozen of these mid-south veterans revisiting the normandy battlefields and such for the 75th anniversary of d-day we'll have to get some of those veterans when they get back here stateside on our show to to weigh in with their thoughts the veterans attended a ceremony at omaha beach along with president trump here on d-day and we certainly thank them for their tremendous bravery and the fact that they survived luckily one thing as a guy who studied up on world war ii a lot in all kinds of military history 
D-Day was a, a tragic day, certainly. And certainly if you were on Omaha Beach, which was an American beach as well as Omaha and Utah Beach were the American beaches. Gold, Juno, Sword were either British or Canadian beaches. And Omaha was the worst of all those beaches. But when they got on those transport ships to go to Normandy out of England in 1944, the numbers, the casualty numbers expected were projected to be a lot higher than they actually were. So that, that's a blessing. Yes, a lot of, a lot of great men, a, gr- a lot of great young boys, frankly, were killed in this conflict on June 6, 1944. But luckily the numbers nowhere as high as they, they could have. Here's another veteran story from World War II to tell you about as a man from Lexington, Kentucky, Dennis Cravens. He's 101 years old. And not only was he in World War II, but this guy, What's newsworthy about him is that this structural engineer still goes into work every day. Oh, man. And he loves his work. He became an engineer, started a family business, and moved to Lexington, Kentucky, all thanks to the GI Bill. And during World War II, he was drafted. He stayed stateside working on a tank landing ship, which was actually used at D-Day and at Iwo Jima. But he's considered a World War II veteran and still working as a structural engineer in the Lexington, Kentucky area, and still putting that work and that degree to use thanks to the GI Bill. What a a nice story here on this June 6th D-Day. All right, here's to some news going on non-D-Day related. And I had not realized that several states, in fact, David told me this, my new friend that I met while having lunch after he, I guess, mistakenly tuned me in on the radio on Wednesday, but David from Farm Bureau from Bishopville, South Carolina. He told me something I'd seen somebody put out on Facebook as an image, but I didn't think it was real. But we've got essentially a draft going on in some of the South. And I, 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 a drought going on in part of the Southeast that I guess other parts of the South are right now being flooded. But some of the South, including Georgia, Alabama, and into the Carolinas, it's been weeks since they've seen any kind of rainfall and you couple that with tremendous heat. I know back in South Carolina and over in Georgia and down in, I guess, South Alabama and such over the last weekend, even into Mississippi, I know it was hot. The temps last week, even into the weekend were triple digits in some cases. So you have very dry weather and extremely hot temps and it makes for a bad mix here in early june now here's some good news coming from the national weather service forecasters say rain chances are increasing in alabama and georgia where drought conditions are worsening after weeks of dry weather and the weather service says rain spreading eastward will increase the chance of rain in both alabama and georgia through early next week some areas could get as much as six inches of rain and rainfall projections of four inches are common The drought monitor says more than 90% of Georgia is abnormally dry or in a moderate drought, and more than 40% of Alabama has the same problem. And I think the Carolinas are pushing those numbers, too. So, yeah, much-needed rain in the eastern portion of our southeast, not necessarily toward Kentucky, Tennessee, but more Georgia, Carolinas, and Bama, I guess North Florida, also could use some rain. But also, they don't need to have triple-digit temps in this time of year but it is pretty much summertime even though not official more to come on the weather and the drought 
now to arkansas where they've been savaged by floodwaters thanks to the arkansas river flooding and mississippi's river the mississippi river old man river is continuing to swell arkansas didn't need this news but unfortunately georgia pacific announced this week that it's laying off more than 650 workers at its as it shuts down part of a mill in crossett arkansas and another facility in hope arkansas georgia pacific said it's shutting down the bleach board operations in crossett which is 104 miles south of little rock and approximately 530 jobs will be affected by that closure and another 25 business and sales jobs will be affected by the change there at crossett but also they're shutting something down in hope arkansas hometown of one bill clinton hometown of one mike huckabee maybe those two will come together and help get some new jobs there the mayor of crossett arkansas scott mccormick's called the closure devastating for the city of about five thousand, and he said it would impact other businesses in crossett with such a huge loss governor asia hutchison said he planned to talk with georgia pacific's president to understand the reasons behind the closures and said Arkansas was focused on providing resources and training necessary to those losing jobs. But still, more than 650 workers in Arkansas all out of a job with these closures from Georgia Pacific. In North Carolina, lawmakers there have failed to override the veto put on by the governor of the Born Alive abortion bill. Republican lawmakers failed Wednesday to override this veto from Governor Roy Cooper, And this was something uh, against a proposal to create criminal penalties for doctors and nurses for failing to care for an infant during an unsuccessful abortion. Lawmakers debated Senate Bill 359, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Act, for more than an hour before voting 67-53, failing to get the supermajority of 72 votes. So they were five short and needed to override Governor Roy Cooper and hand pro-choice groups a victory after a slew of restrictive abortion bill defeats in recent weeks. A little surprising that failed in Raleigh because North Carolina may have the most Republican representatives of any state legislature in the South. I'm sure others give them a, a real run for the money, but not necessarily at the top end. They have a Democrat governor right now in Cooper, but before that they had a Republican and. They also had a very strong Republican Senate and House in Raleigh, but this abortion bill not going to go forward, at least in North Carolina. Now, keeping the abortion talk on the menu here today, Kamala Harris heading to Alabama, and she is getting some criticism from a congressman, Bradley Byrne, a South Alabama congressman from Fairhope, as he said that the senator who's running for president Her comments about Alabama's new abortion law is another example of, quote, out-of-state liberal elitist lecturing people in Alabama. And the congressman said, I'm proud our state is leading the fight to protect the unborn, and we don't need liberal politicians like Senator Harris telling us how to run our state or what to believe. And Byrne, who's currently running for the GOP nomination for the U.S. Senate seat held by Democrat doug jones and going back to football do y'all know who else is running for that seat one tommy bowden not tommy one tommy tuberville i still have clemson on my mind i said tommy about tommy tuberville former mississippi former texas tech cincinnati and of course auburn war eagle plainsman head coach now kamala harris she got into some trouble here from alabamians who said recently 
quote, those folks down in Alabama who are doing this, these are the same folks who, by the time that baby is born, they couldn't care less. And again, she's saying folks in Alabama, and that upset the congressman now running for Senate in the state of Alabama. More news coming from the Yellowhammer State. This is something that's right out of Deliverance, the movie. A group of Huntsville High School Crimson Panther students and recent graduates of HHS, they say they've been attacked, beaten, and threatened with rape after a weekend float trip down a river in North Alabama. And one of those students, 18-year-old Collins Nelson, he and several other students met reporters at his attorney's office on Tuesday. And Nelson, who graduated this year from Huntsville High School there in Huntsville, Alabama, he suffered a broken nose and a broken eye socket that will require surgery. And he's suing for damages and will seek felony arrest warrants against the alleged attackers. And I see the photo of Collins Nelson, and he looks like he's just been pummeled there in this photo. Now, Nelson said he and his friends were out on Sunday on the Flint River, which is a popular kayaking and canoeing destination in eastern Madison County. Madison County is where Huntsville is. So this would be somewhere, I would say, I guess near Gurley. Of course, eastern Madison County is right around Scottsboro, which is Jackson County, North Alabama. Flint River runs through that area. A girl with the group said that there were nine boys and five girls in their party. The group had beer in the coolers, and but were not drunk. And Nelson said a man paddling behind them was heckling the group and calling him a sissy boy. The teens said they responded, calling the man the same thing, but then decided to try to get away after the man threatened one of the girls with rape and said he and his friends would see them downriver. Just a pretty bad story there. Luckily, nothing more than an assault happened. Thankfully, uh, assault with a fist, it looks like. Nothing more, no Ned Beatty instance here. But I, I lived in Madison County, Alabama, and... Honestly, I don't know much about the Flint River, and I sure didn't know it was really wide enough you could go down in a canoe. What little I know, of course, there in Madison County and over in Scottsboro and Jackson County, home of WWIC Radio, by the way, great station, the Tennessee River flows through that area, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Of course, I don't know if I'd want to get out there in a canoe in the Tennessee River, pretty pretty uh turbulent river but it's supposed to be it's one of our big big rivers here in the south i understand why it's powerful flint river not sure not so sure about its power but yeah what a what a weird story here on this thursday edition of y'all okay more weird stories this comes from mize mississippi and officials there are trying to figure out who shot four miniature donkeys that were in a pasture in mize and Callie West Evans says that one of her children's pets was found shot back on May 20, while three more f- were found dead over this past weekend. All of the animals had gunshot wounds to the stomach, and buzzards flying above a pasture led to the discoveries. The Smith County Sheriff Charlie Crumpton is investigating the case, which he calls cruel and senseless, you think? An agriculture investigator is also assisting. No shell casings have been found, and so far there are no leads. But yeah, these pet donkeys cute little things shot and killed in mize mississippi more animal news from the southeast back to alabama we go and a coyote or maybe you call him a coyote has slipped into an alabama home through its doggy door and killed the pet cat Ooh, 
Now, we've got way too many coyotes around the South these days. We need to get rid of them. In fact, I think most Southern states, you can kill coyotes at your leisure any time of day. But this happened in Argo, Alabama, and this hungry coyote entered the home, killing the family cat of Roland Collins. And he got out of bed early Sunday when he heard a noise from the basement. And when he went in there, he said he grabbed a pistol, went to investigate. He discovered a coyote standing over his dead cat, Sonny before the animal attempted a messy and unsuccessful escape back through the doggy door. The coyote turned over shelves, knocked stuff all over the floor, according to the man. And he said, I'm just standing there, I guess, with my mouth open in my underwear. (laughs) I could understand, Mr. Collins. And this coyote, oh, tough deal there. In Alabama, it is legal to hunt coyotes during daylight hours throughout the year, according to the National Wildlife Training Program. The group says shooting is an option and getting rid of a specific nuisance coyote. And this, I would say, a nuisance coyote. And the man said that he believed that there's been an increased coyote activity in Argo, Alabama. And I don't know what happened to this one if it it got out or or he killed it. Hopefully, this coyote's dead. But yeah, what what a problem we're seeing with coyotes all over the southeast now. To Dallas, Texas, and an update on a story that we've told you about in the past. The statue of General Robert E. Lee, which was taken down, I say illegally, but uh, you be the judge. In Dallas, this statue, the leaders of Dallas decided to have an online bidding for this very beautiful statue of the Confederate general. And on Wednesday, this thing sold for $1.4 million. The auctioneering company Lone Star Auctioneers says the bidding ended and the top offer of $1.435 million was from a bidder identified only as Law Dude. And last month, the Dallas City Council designated the sculpture to be uh, a surplus property. It was sculpted by Alexander Femister Proctor unbelievably beautiful sculpture huge and now sold again i say illegally i hope someone's fighting this thing it's ridiculous this was taken down it was unveiled back in 1936 and the city required a minimum bid of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which was the cost to remove it from its park in 27 in 2017 and put in storage it should have never been removed in the first place but that that from dallas now here's a more ridiculous story an update from memphis where the statue of nathan b forrest was illegally taken in my opinion by this group that essentially was given a sweetheart of a deal by the city of memphis taking this entire city block and making it private property for the sole reason to get rid of the nathan bedford forrest statue and I assume his grave and his wife's grave, which are right there in downtown Memphis. But on Wednesday, appeals judges in Tennessee have backed another court's decision related to the removal of the statues of not only General Nathan Bedford Forrest, but also the Jefferson Davis statue, which was in the Jefferson Davis Park right on the river in downtown Memphis. The Court of Appeals of Tennessee in Nashville ruled in a case concerning the statue's removal in December of 2017 and they are agreeing with the previous decision that the removal was lawful, that it did not violate state law when they were put on private property and then removed. And appeals judges ruled the Sons of Confederate Veterans is not entitled to an injunction preserving the statues in this circumstance, and that's not making the SCV very happy. And I, I agree with Lee Miller, who's leading that fight there in Memphis. 
a man in Mississippi has left $642,000, not to his church and not to some other charity. He left $642,000 when he died to the Harrison County, Mississippi School District. The 84-year-old Daryl Saucier is leaving this in, after he died, and it's the district's largest donation in 63 years. And he died in April and now giving it to Harrison County, Mississippi's school district. So they'll, I'm sure, put it to good use. But not often do you see someone in their, I guess, will leaving it to the, the school district. Something tells me if the officials down in Gulfport, Biloxi, and more in Harrison County are smart, it looks like he's going he's gonna to have a school named after him, which wouldn't be bad because there's actually a little community there in Harrison County called Sochet. S-A-U-C-I-E-R. So, yeah, it would be in honor of him, but they probably could get around it and say, oh, it's for the town, city, what what, what you have there. And there's a lot of people with that same last name in the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast area. All right, how about some news from the Mountain State? As NBA great and former West Virginia Mountaineer basketball star Jerry West is going to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Donald Trump. The president tweeted over the weekend, the great Jerry West will be receiving our nation's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom for his outstanding career, both on and off the court. And the 81-year-old who's worked as a basketball executive is going to get this no announced date for the award. Of course, if you know anything about the NBA, the actual logo of the NBA is, is his silhouette, Jerry West, who is a native of West Virginia and played for the WVU Mountaineers when they remember the Southern Conference back in the 1950s and maybe into the early 60s. But he's a native of Cabin Creek and was an All-American at WVU and went on to be a longtime NBA player, then coach, member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Congrats to Jerry West. And finally, as we conclude our headlines to Slidell, Louisiana, we go. And the police department there is reminding people that it's there to serve and just not to handle customer service complaints about Taco Bell. Yeah, the Slidell Police Department posted on Facebook this week that someone called to complain that a local Taco Bell had run out of both hard and soft taco shells. And the police department says while it was a travesty, it can't do anything about it. And the department hoped the taco shell stock has been replenished. And the Slidell police officers say, we can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. What person in their right mind would call the police to complain about Taco Bell running out of hard and soft taco shells? We got some real knuckleheads out there, or as I call them, idiots, running around. And I know you're not one because you're listening to the All Show, but I do like me some good Taco Bell hard and soft shell tacos. All right, when we come back on Y'all Show, we're going to tell you what's on y'all.com this week. There's some wonderful stuff that you don't want to miss. We'll have that, plus before the hour wraps up, a look at some of the really good festivals going on in Dixie right now in the month of June. That's ahead. Stay with us. You're catering a wedding, and the bride says, Everyone is raving about the hors d'oeuvres. My aunt was asking if you do corporate events. Now is the time when the right business card is essential, and Vistaprint can help. Head to Vistaprint.com, and you can customize 500 cards starting at just $9.99. You choose the paper, the shape, and the finish. Whatever your style, create a card that gives you the confidence to own the now. So head to Vistaprint.com and get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 2424 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 2424. 
There's a great big mystery, and it sure is worrying me. This ditty war ditty, this ditty war ditty. I wish somebody would tell me what ditty war ditty means. A little girl about four feet four. Don't pop in, give me some more of your ditty war ditty. 803-816-1170 is our text line if you want to reach out to us 24-7. We welcome your feedback. This is the Y'all Show. Also, you can find us on the web at y'all.com. And y'all.com right now has some amazing stuff. In addition to having links to the Y'all Show that you can log on and check us out. Hey, some awesome content for you to read and share with all your friends. This week on y'all.com, they have stories up. Highlighting Georgia's peaches, facts and festivals, and a couple of awesome Georgia peach recipes, all at y'all.com. Also, three of the top 10 restaurants of 2019 are located right here in Dixie, in the South, in Texas, and in New Orleans. And we have the full list at y'all.com, plus the list of the 100 best restaurants for a big night out with friends. Oh, I need to go check that out. Plus, I need to take 100 days out of the year and just go sample each one of those hundred best restaurants what a job that would be also here's another great story and i need to get back to baltimore it's been two years i think since i was there a new ice cream company there in baltimore maryland is making what's called adult ice cream that's right fresh churned ice cream infused with flavored vodka all right comrade (laughs) go to baltimore get this adult ice cream Now, that would be a good combination if you're into that kind of thing. Also, we're getting ready this weekend to have the college baseball regionals, the super regionals of college baseball. We've got a little story about that at y'all.com, and we'll have a lot more about college baseball to get to in hour two when we have our SEC spotlight. The SEC's got six, count them, six teams in the super regionals this weekend. Amazing, amazing accomplishment for the SEC. Also... You have music festivals going on right now in Nashville. It's the CMA Music Festival right now through, I guess, Sunday or Monday. And uh, also you have other music festivals like Bonnaroo and Moore in Middle Tennessee and other festivals going on around the southeast. And we break them all down at y'all.com. Check that out. And also you can go find out about arts, crafts, and food festivals in the south going on this month. So plenty of amazing content. Clark Sheldon, editor there at y'all and the others involved with the website, including yours truly, by the way, all there at y'all.com. In fact, I'm on there right now, and there's a story titled 75 Years Later, D-Day, Still Important Moment in History. And that is uh, right now with a amazing photo of the GIs storming out of the back of the half-track, I think that's what it's called, into the beaches of Normandy with 5,000 ships, 11,000 airplanes, and 150,000 men taking place on June 6, 1944, 75 years ago exactly. So they have that story up at y'all. You can check out. Plus, as we said, they have all kinds of Georgia peach stuff. In fact, there's a recipe. If y'all been looking for a good recipe to try out sometime, how about this at y'all.com. Log on and get the Georgia peach meatloaf recipe. Oh, yeah. It includes ingredients of ground beef, an egg, a cup of milk, bread crumbs and oh yeah two medium-sized georgia peaches peeled pitted and sliced and it uh looks like delicious and trust me i've had a lot of meatloaf in my in my life and to channel the old will ferrell line ma the meatloaf (laughs) how about ma 
give me that georgia peach meatloaf yeah that's that's what i'm talking about here wedding crashers the movie there what an awesome awesome flick by a good texan by the way and uh owen wilson i saw uh, i was just in chicago i was i was looking hard for his counterpart in that movie around, around chicago remember the movie where he is a chicago tour guide kind of a depressing movie that one he did with jennifer aniston name slips me i kind of forgot about it it's in the ash heap of history for me right now but i think you will enjoy a georgia peach meatloaf courtesy of the editors of y'all.com plus there's a story up the james beard blended burger contest you can check that out and all kinds of really neat things including hey where's the barrister when you need him He's got a story up at y'all.com, food safety tips for summer cookouts. Now, that makes for a good conversation piece with the barrister when he comes back on in a few days with our barbecue report on Tuesday. So all this at y'all.com, all free of charge, all of it put on our Facebook page. You can go to Facebook, and and we want you to go like y'all.com on Facebook. So every one of these stories, when they get updated or posted or each day when we have a y'all show out, it gets put on Facebook and you'll get linked, and you can join the fun, join the y'all army, and unlike D-Day where you you might get killed, we're not going to hurt you here with the y'all army. We want you to be a part of our all-volunteer, all-southern force, and thank you for listening, and go again to y'all.com for this and a whole lot more. In fact, there's a story that just popped up that i got to go check out during the break here, traveling the rock and roll highway, and of course, that's right here in the south where some amazing towns kind of weave their way into the culture of rock and roll music even though the actual hall of fame for rock and roll for whatever reasons in cleveland ohio there wouldn't be rock and roll if not for the south including a guy who's known as the king of rock and roll a guy named elvis presley born in tupelo mississippi and of course most of most of his adult life spent in memphis or should i say memphis when we come back on y'all show we will go to memphis or maybe some other places in the south that you don't want to miss out it's going to be our festive south we've got some awesome festivals to tell you about and we'll let you know just what's going on so you don't want to miss that discussion it's up next as the y'all show continues thank you thank you very much You better drive south. We're back here as we wrap up this first hour of today's Talk with a Southern Accent, the Y'all Show. Hey, if you want to go see some really cool events in Dixie in the month of June, well, get in that car, get the gas going, or if you're lucky to have one of those new battery-operated thingamajigs that get 110 miles to the gallon, by the way, get in that car, truck, or whatever you got, and drive south. And you might just want to drive to south carolina because throughout june it's the south carolina ag and art tour 
which is in 12 counties in the Palmetto State. You can come join the fun on this self-guided tour of designated South Carolina farms featuring local artisans and farmers markets. You can learn so much at agandarttour.com. Again, this is in 12 counties in the Palmetto State. June weekends, part of the South Carolina Ag and Art Tour. Also in Pensacola, Florida, going on, you have the Fiesta Days Celebration and Boat Parade coming up this weekend. And well, we were just talking before we went to the break. In Tupelo, it's the Tupelo Elvis Festival in the hometown of Elvis Presley. And this name of the festival is officially recognized by Graceland. And there's going to be music, of course. Also, the Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest and much, much more. And it's all at the former grounds of the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show, where Elvis performed his homecoming concert back in 1956. And that famous photo of him up on stage with the RCA Victorola, is it RCA Victor, RCA Victorola, whatever, the dog, the darn dog up on the stage. All that right there in Tupelo back in 56. And the Tupelo Elvis Festival this weekend in Tupelo, Mississippi. Back to South Carolina, they've got the South Carolina Festival of Flowers going on in Greenwood, South Carolina, nestled in between Augusta, Georgia, and Greenville, South Carolina is Greenwood, South Carolina, home of the Lander University. SCFestivalofflowers.org is the website to go to where more than 100,000 people pour into this town for the festival each year with more than 30 events going on in this month-long list of entertainment options Greenwood, South Carolina. Kids Fest this weekend in Orange Park, Florida. OPKidsFest.com, the website. It's a great way to kickstart the summer with kids and the funnest event in town, Orange Park, Florida. Virginia Beach, Virginia, they could sure use some positive publicity after what happened there last week and some tourism dollars too. This weekend in Virginia Beach, it's the North American Sand Soccer Championships. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Sand soccer. I wonder if they're doing that on the beach. I, I think it is because it's considered the largest beach soccer event in the world. How about that? Going on now through August 23rd in Hendersonville, North Carolina, in Western North Carolina, Music on Main Street, a free concert series held at the Visitor Center in historic downtown Hendersonville in lovely Western North Carolina. Also got a classic car show and a Corvette night car show there all in Henderson. Ville, North Carolina. Going on in Winchester, Virginia this weekend, it's the 2019 Hop Blossom Craft Beer Festival, the seventh annual festival held in Old Town, Winchester, focuses on craft beer education and exposing participants to the ever-increasing popularity and love for good craft beer. All that there in Winchester, VA. Henderson, Kentucky this weekend, it's the WC Handy Blues and Barbecue Festival handyblues.org right there in downtown henderson on the banks of the ohio river and it's one of the largest free music festivals in the nation in downtown henderson kentucky june 13th through july 25th so several weeks here you've got columbus main street festival sounds of summer columbus mississippi all part of the columbus Lowndes county chamber of commerce and it's a concert series and more beautiful homes right there along the Ten Tom Waterway in Columbus, Mississippi. And finally, one of my favorite, favorite festivals of the year is getting ready to go down in Bell Buckle, which is a great name in itself, in southern Middle Tennessee. On June 15th, it's the Bell Buckle RC Moon Pie Festival. And this year is going to be the 25th 
RC Moon Pie Festival in Bell Buckle, where you have these great combinations of moon pies and RC Cola all mixed in with some good music. There's going to be a 5K and 10-mile runs through the countryside, a lovely part of Middle Tennessee, and you can enjoy a day full of old and young can enjoy all kinds of traditions, moon pies, RC Colas, and, of course, hanging out in historic Bell Buckle, Tennessee, halfway between Nashville and Chattanooga. Wonderful place there. And, hey, who wouldn't like a, a RC Moon Pie Festival, for goodness sake? But that's getting ready to go on. Not this weekend. You're going to have to wait for that one. That's going to be in a couple of more days. But all that part of our festive south here. And don't forget, this weekend in Nashville, it's the CMA Fest going on in downtown Nashville. So go to Nashville, get some good country music this week. And then, if you're hanging around Middle Tennessee, you can slide down Interstate 24 for the RC Moon Pie Festival in Bell Buckle next weekend. And then you got Bonnaroo coming up in that same area just a few days after that. So it it's awesome. It's awesome. All right. What else is awesome? We've got a whole other hour of the Y'all Show coming your way. Don't miss out. We're going to start it out with some awesome information to pass along to you. We'll have a encore of an interview we did last July with author Kevin Powers. He penned the book The Yellow Birds, a bestseller, and A Shout in the Ruins. And we'll have that conversation. Plus, we'll have our SEC spotlight. Plenty of NCAA baseball to get to. Super regionals going on this weekend. And a lot of SEC participation in that. Plus, the athletic director of the University of Mississippi decides to change his address to College Station, Texas. We'll let you know about that. And Rich Eisen of the NFL Network is going to have some fun uh, talking about the SEC's change of its alcohol policy. All that coming up in Hour 2 of The Y'all Show with John Rawls. Stay with us. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Day of Days. It's June 6th the 75th anniversary of d-day welcome back at y'all talk with a southern accent and certainly on this day we remember the sacrifice of those brave soldiers from 1944 who stormed the beaches of normandy many of which lost their lives many of which were from right here in the south and we appreciate their sacrifice and the incredible journey that led them over there that ended up being a victory for the Allied forces in World War II and defeating Nazi Germany and also Japan as well as Italy in that awful war from 75 years ago. I'm John Rawl. This is The Y'all Show. And in just a few moments here on The Y'all Show, we'll have another war in mind as we'll have an encore of an interview we did in 2018 with Kevin Powers. And Kevin served in Iraq back in the 2004-2005 timeline. And Kevin came back to his native Virginia. He now lives in Austin, Texas, but he began writing about his experience and he wrote the book, The Yellow Birds, and he's also penned a new book called A Shout in the Ruins. And we'll talk to Kevin, an encore of our July 12th, 2018 interview. We're doing this because we're getting close to having the one year anniversary of the Y'all Show on June 18th, just days away. We'll be celebrating big time. And in a way to kind of salute what we've done here the last year, we're going back in the archives and pulling out various interviews and 
This interview with this author is fantastic, especially here on June 6th, D-Day. We thought we would play that for you, and that's exactly what we'll do. So that's coming up in just a second. Also want to let you know we'll have our SEC spotlight in just a few minutes where we'll look at the SEC teams and the college baseball super regionals going on this weekend. A couple of teams. In fact, I think it's five SEC teams punched their ticket to the super regionals and we'll hear from a few of the coaches of that including vanderbilt head coach tim corbin and mississippi land shark coach mike bianco all that coming up plus how about the auburn tigers we've got audio of their incredible walk-off win over georgia tech not the game that got them to the super regional but a dramatic win for au and we'll let you hear that to start out our sec baseball salute here in just a few minutes plus We'll give you the latest in SEC news from the Gridiron and more, plus the new SEC alcohol policy. We found a clip from Rich Eisen of the NFL Network talking about that, and he had some fun, and we'll let you hear some of that later this hour. If you want to connect to us here on the Y'all Show, so easy to do. Our number is 803-816-1170. You can also find us on the web at y'all.com, Facebook, we're at y'all.com, and of course, we're on the streaming apps if you have any of these. It's a free download. Go to the iHeartRadio app, also the TuneIn Radio app, and the Apple Podcast app, all three of which you just go on there and you search Y'all Show, and it will be set up for you to instantly download every day whenever the show's put up for your liking. So there you have it, keeping you well-informed about Dixie. All right, as we said, we're going to go back in the archives now in our Buy the Book feature where we look at authors. But here, we're actually going to be visiting with the author and Kevin Powers, who grew up around Richmond, Virginia. And we had a good conversation with him back on July 12th of last year. And again, he penned the books A Shout in the Ruins, which is available, just came out last year. And then the one that came out several years back, the novel The Yellow Birds, which actually got turned into a movie. Jennifer Aniston starred in that movie, The Yellow Birds, a national bestseller. And he's also penned another poetry book called Letter Composed During a Lull in the Fighting. Again, this is a Iraq War vet who went and took his experience and put it on paper. And on this June 6th, a day we remember World War II, Let's also keep in mind all of our veterans who've served in war, and Kevin Powers is one of them. Richmond's grown so much that, uh, you know, it's kind of the suburbs have started to reach that area, and yeah, it's a different place um, from when I was young. Right. And, and in, a, in a funny way, that kind of led into a little bit of, you know, my curiosity about the place and writing the, writing the novel. Right. Well, you started out. Not as a novelist, but you actually started writing poems. How did that get going? Uh, I, I guess by accident. Uh, it's funny, you know, mentioning Midlothian. My mom and I had a kind of a regular date at this uh, used bookstore in Midlothian, and she'd bring in her, you know, she reads mysteries and that sort of thing, and she'd bring them in and get credit, and I'd I'd be allowed to pick up pick out one book a week, and you know, by accident one week I sort of stumbled into the poetry section i was maybe 12 or 13 something like that and uh picked up a book by dylan thomas just by accident and just took it home and i have to confess i didn't really know what was going on but uh i just thought it was so interesting and it was unlike anything i'd ever read before and i just started trying my own my own stuff right away well, I guess I'm not smart enough. I am challenged when it comes to reading poetry. I'm also challenged when it comes to reading William Faulkner. So hopefully your style of writing is not quite exactly the same as those options. 
No, I mean, I, I, I try to, I'm a great admirer of William Faulkner, but, but I try to keep things pretty, pretty straightforward. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, so, uh, you shouldn't need a decoder ring to, to figure <laughs> out what's going on in my books. All right. Um, well, you, uh, well, you did a little bit of something different. You got out of high school and you didn't go to college at least right away. You joined the U S army and we're talking what roughly 1998, 1999, somewhere in that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Yep. So before nine eleven, how long had you been thinking about joining the army? Uh, it wasn't really something that I was, it, it, you know, it wasn't a goal that I had really, um, you know, but just the kind of um, circumstances that that I grew up in, and uh, you know, my father had served in the army, my uncle was a marine, and both my grandfathers had served in the Second World War, and. It, so there was a kind of um, tradition of service in my family. And uh, when it got time to sort of make a decision about what I was going to do after high school, the, you know, the assistance in terms of college money was a, a really attractive <laughs> part of the deal. And uh, also having this kind of tradition of service, I felt like, well, you know, this will, this will help get me some money to go to college and I can uh, serve my country and kind of keep this, tradition going so yeah when i was but you know when i was 17 i actually signed the paperwork and uh <laughs> that was before my senior high school and you know i had my 18th birthday in basic training so would that have been in uh, fort jackson columbia south carolina no no this was leonardwood missouri ah you went yeah. to missouri okay yeah yeah so you're serving uncle sam for a few years and then 9 11 comes september 11th 2001 <laughs> where were you when that happened uh, I was actually in Richmond, believe it or not, and uh, you know I knew right then that um, you know was gonna something was gonna happen, and more 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 than likely I was gonna be sent overseas. And I didn't know where or when, and um, you know it wasn't actually until a couple of years later, and I was um, at that point in the in the guard, National Guard, and uh, I had actually started a couple of college classes at VCU where I ended up graduating from, and. Um, my unit got our orders to to head over to iraq so that was uh 2003 when we got the orders and i ended up um in mosul iraq in early 2004 and that was a rough go of it there in mosul if you remember following the news and all that back in that time period so you're in iraq serving i know your book that you wrote the yellow birds is of course inspired by your your experience there it's not exactly your story but influenced by your story there in iraq you also had a chance to do a little writing while in service to your country tell us how you mixed in poetry with being a combat soldier well i didn't i didn't have a a ton of time to do it as you can (laughs) probably imagine um but you know when i got a chance um you know, it's it's funny. It's sort of one of those things where any connection you have to, you know, the life you sort of had to press pause on back home was really meaningful. And, you know, that takes a lot of different forms for a lot of different people. But for me, it was, uh, you know, getting a care package with a book in it or, uh, you know, taking a little time uh, when, you you know, you've got uh, 10 minutes here or there and just sort of you know not pretend like you're not there but just sort of be the person uh be the person you were before you got sent over there and you know sometimes for me that was um scratching out a few lines of poetry or writing a few notes down about what uh 
you know, what I was thinking about the experience and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that connection was really important to me, that uh, tether back to the States and back to back to my life back there. Well, The Yellow Birds was your first novel, came out roughly five years ago, and it was a, a bestseller, been turned into a movie that we'll talk about, and, and just a phenomenal success with your debut novel. In that book, one of the key characters early on dies in the war in Iraq. Did you have a buddy or two? pass away and you you were part of that not not anybody that was as close to me as murph is to bartle but okay. um but yeah no i mean we lost uh we lost a couple guys in my unit and um you know you think for a lot of people that um it's just part of the experience of serving in war and i just you know i really felt like it was important to to really depict what that's like to feel that sense of responsibility and that sense of loss that, um, and even for a character in the book, uh, who's 20 years old or, you know, for me or for all the young people that are serving who have to deal with something like that, you, you, you know, it's going to be something that they carry with them for the rest of their lives. And, um, and of course the families as well. I mean, don't want to forget about the sacrifices that the families make. So I really wanted to make sure that I, kind of focused on that these relationships and um the impact that these relationships have on on people's lives we're visiting with best-selling novelist kevin powers his book the yellow birds out a few years ago he's got a new book that we'll tell you more about momentarily and this is a buy the book feature on the y'all show and kevin this book the yellow birds great success did did it surprise you how this book called on so early uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you're writing a book, especially, you know, for me, it was my first novel. Um, I, I I didn't have the, I mean, I thought it was pretty decent. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have tried to get it published. But, um, you know, there's just no way you can um, have those kinds of expectations. And mm-hmm. um, when it did catch on and get a lot of attention, uh, I was really pleased. You know, and I guess in a lot of ways, maybe the timing was right, too, because um, it was one of the it was one of the first uh, novels anyway to to come out about the war. And, um, you know, I think maybe I was lucky that that the general public was was ready at that point to to start to start thinking about it and, and, you know, start reading books and watching movies and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, you know, for a book to, to have success there's always a little luck involved and you always got to have a little word of mouth and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I just tried to write the best book that I could. And I was, I was uh, just so gratified that people seemed to respond to it in the way that I, they did, but yeah. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, and as we said, we've already bragged on you once. We'll brag on you again. You're one sharp Southerner because you started writing this book when you were late twenties, early thirties. And so you don't often have writers in their debut novel uh, especially with a war experience, do it right after they've come back from serving. They usually have to go through a couple of decades before they put the story down on paper. So congratulations for the fortitude and, and the perseverance to get that thing done. Now, this book, of course, being a success on the b- book's shelves is one thing and, and stores across the country, but it also was turned into a movie. Let's discuss the Yellow Birds movie that was a success, I think, in some film festivals around the world. Sure. Yep. And, and and what what that whole thing was like 
Well, yeah, I mean, I got a, a approached by a, a producer to buy buy the rights to the film, and you know, he talked to me about um, his experience with the book, and um, I, you know, I just felt like he really understood what what I was trying to say in the book, and he seemed to have a vision for turning it into something. And and again, you know, this is something you you really can't have any expectations because it's just such a long shot that a thing will ever get made. Even, even when really talented people have the best intentions there are so many moving parts and so many things have to go your way. Um, but, but, you know, they found a, a really talented director and fantastic actors who have really gone on to, uh, you know, uh, when they started filming the movie a couple of years ago, they were early in their careers and, and now they're doing really great things. And, uh, yeah, I was just really pleased. Um, you know, you kind of have to let go of it. I, I I didn't write the script or anything, but um, but I really felt like I was turning it over to to good hands. So, yeah, it was really rewarding experience, and I believe uh, people can watch it on demand now if they're so inclined. And uh, uh, yeah, so it was a it was a really interesting and, and rewarding experience to to kind of watch that process yeah. happen. Distributed by Direct TV Cinema and Saban Films, the Yellow Birds movie was released domestically June fifteenth of this year, so just a few weeks ago. And you mentioned some of the newcomers that were actors that starred in this film, but there's one veteran actress in this film. Jennifer Aniston plays the role of a mother in the Yellow Birds movie. And I tell you what, as, as someone who's grown up a fan of hers. Very cool, but also a little creepy that Jennifer Aniston's now playing the role of a mom. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Um, and, and, and you know, she's just extraordinary. She's fantastic in the movie. And she played a big part in, um, you know, in the, the, like I said, you got to have a lot of things go your way for a movie to get made. And, and having her... Um, it, you know, having her want to participate in the project, is she really kind of, um, you know, I think when you have somebody of her caliber as an actor um, interested in a project, it, it really just kind of pushes the ball forward. So um, she's in a lot of ways responsible for the thing yeah. even existing. Going back in the archives to July 12th of last year, our interview with author Kevin Powers, Iraq war veteran, a native of Virginia who now lives in Austin, Texas and, what a fantastic personality and a great job writing the books, The Yellow Birds and A Shout in the Ruins. And we remember what he's done in war, of course, here on June 6th, our heroes from 1944, D-Day, the 75th anniversary today. And again, we played that Kevin Powers interview because we're getting ready here in a few days to celebrate the one-year birthday of y'all and we're going back from time to time and finding some of our fantastic interviews. Kevin Powers sure counts as one of those good interviews. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll switch from books to the SEC. Several SEC teams are heading to the Super Regionals of college baseball. In fact, the Southeastern Conference has more participants in the Super Regionals than any conference in the land. We'll let you know all about some of those teams, and we'll start it off with some awesome audio from the Auburn Tigers. They had a huge walk-off win in their series with Georgia Tech that sent them to the Super Regionals. 
We'll let you hear that. Plus, Tim Corbin, coach of the Vandy Boys, the Vanderbilt Commodores, the SEC champs. We'll hear from Tim Corbin, plus the head coach of the Land Sharks from the University of Mississippi, Mike Bianco. We'll have all that. Plus, later, we'll have Rich Eisen of the NFL Network and a syndicated host. He had some fun talking about the new SEC alcohol policy, which the conference just announced they're going to allow beer and wine sales in the stadium. So that is news for some of you. And some of you, you've been doing that anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know about that, plus other news and notes from the Southeastern Conference. It's our SEC Spotlight, and it's coming up next on Y'all. Unisom knows when you don't get enough sleep, it's hard to avoid the fog. It's a sneaky fella. Hates sleep. Only appears when you don't get enough of it. I've seen the fog make a guy pour salt in his coffee. Thought it was sugar. Ever fold an entire basket of dirty laundry? Wasn't you. It was the fog. Unisom is specially formulated to help you fall asleep fast and get a good night's sleep. You'll wake up ready to take on the day. Sleeping well is the fog's worst nightmare. Unisom. Use as directed. Pitch, driven, deep, right field. That ball is back. That ball is gone. It's a home run. It's a walk-off home run for Stephen Williams. And Georgia Tech goes to the loser's bracket. Auburn will be playing tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. They need a win to stay ahead in this regional. The Tigers are celebrating wildly at home plate. They're out of the dugout. Here comes the bullpen to celebrate. A long, long, deep home run to right field by Stephen Williams on an 0-2 pitch. He drove it way, way out of here. Home run number eight for Stephen Williams, a three-run blast. And Auburn is a winner in this game. What a thrilling call, courtesy of the Auburn Tigers radio network. And indeed, the Auburn Tigers picked up that big win against Georgia Tech in Atlanta last weekend. And they move on to the Super Regionals of College Baseball. Now, one sad footnote to that play-by-play voice you heard there. That was not Rod Bramlett. He would normally be on the call, but unfortunately, Rod and his wife Paula were both killed in Auburn the Saturday before that call there. And they buried Rod and his wife just before the Auburn-Georgia Tech series. So, unfortunately, I would much have preferred Rod Bramlett's voice there. Even though I don't fancy myself an Auburn fan, he'd been with the Auburn baseball team since way back in 1993. An unfortunate death there of Rod and his wife. Not sure who that voice we heard there was, and Auburn's going to take their time, understandably, in making the decision who's going to be the new voice of the Auburn Tigers. But not to dampen the spirit of the Auburn baseball team as they got that big win there, and then they follow that up with another win against Georgia Tech. They win the Atlanta Regional, and they move on to the Super Regionals. In fact, I was wrong earlier in the hour. I told you I think it was five SEC teams punched their ticket to the Super Regionals. Lo and behold, six SEC teams are out of the 16 teams. Six of them are from the Southeastern Conference. And I'm going to kind of break down right now those six teams 
and also let you know who all's in this darn thing anyway because the sec had six participants the atlantic coast conference had four participants the big 12 had two so that's six plus four plus two is 12 for where i come from so 12 of the 16 are certainly southern then you throw in east carolina out of the american and that's 13 out of 16 teams are from the south in the super regionals the other three teams are two of which are Pac-12, and then the Big Ten's Michigan Wolverines are in the, the I guess, Sweet 16, but they call it the Super Regionals of College Baseball. So here's your schedule. All these games here that I'm about to list start on Friday as East Carolina's at number 7 Louisville, Oklahoma State's at Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech, Duke and the number 2 Vanderbilt Commodores are getting together in Nashville. So that's the first SEC team in play on Friday. Michigan's at UCLA in the super regionals then a whole host of sec teams get together on saturday for their first games mississippi and arkansas have a series at bomb stadium in fayetteville that begins at noon on saturday and then florida states at lsu alex box stadium is going to be rocking when the Knowles come to town auburn yes war eagle to you they have to go back to uh auburn won at georgia tech so now they have to go to another acc team in north carolina the hills welcome in the plainsman for a series beginning on saturday afternoon and then stanford will be at duty noble to take on chris lamonis's mississippi state bulldogs that's your look at the super regionals of course six of the 16 teams from the southeastern conference what a fantastic achievement for the sec well tim corbin his team won the sec regular season title and they followed that up with an sec tournament title in hoover and the head coach of the vanderbilt commodore spoke after his team punched its ticket into the super regionals here is the coach of i think it was the 2014 national champion vanderbilt commodore baseball team tim corbin now talking about his team of 2019 i mean i think you know we know we're going to play too we've got a little bit of background with them, but not, not enough. This is a different Duke team, this is a different Vanderbilt team, but yeah, I think in terms of what we're going to do, uh, we just have to kind of watch it first and then make a decision when we get to that point. Tim, I've not seen a lot of you guys this season, but when Zach came in, it looked like there were a lot of 97s and 98s up there on the board. Has that been pretty typical for him over the course of the season? Zach came? Yes, sir. Yeah, he's kind of put on. And he, can, he can leverage the the strike zone with velocity. Yeah, he's he's got a good arm, and he, you know, Zach. We've depended on him for three years. This is this is the most used relief pitcher in our program, um, but he, he he continues to improve. He's got a very good arm. His breaking ball was pretty good tonight too. The Vandy Boys skipper Tim Corbin as the Vanderbilt Commodores. They start things off for the SEC when it comes to the Super Regionals of college baseball as the duke blue devils a surprise winner in the morgantown west virginia regional in fact duke was i think the number three seed in that thing texas a&m was number two west virginia went out early duke and a&m battled and the blue devils prevailed now duke its reward is to head i-40 west across the smoky mountains to nashville and they've got vanderbilt on west end with a series beginning friday first pitch set for 6 p.m televised on espn2 if you want to check it out from there at hawkinsfield 
in Nashville. Now, the Mississippi Landsharks have surprised a lot of people because they actually played Vanderbilt for the SEC title at the two, at the tournament in Hoover just the other Sunday. Mike Bianco's team rebounded. They actually got a regional for a lot of people quite a surprise that Oxford would get picked because Mississippi struggled toward the end of the season. But sure enough, the Diamond Sharks got the invite, and they were able to outlast Clemson jacksonville state and illinois in that regional and they move on now to a place they ought to be familiar with bomb stadium fayetteville arkansas where the hogs are going to be welcoming in their sec west rivals in fact mississippi went to bomb stadium in the season and took that series against the hogs and the hogs of course just the other year i think it was last year had a chance to win the national championship and dropped it literally an opportunity they had right there in their grasp and couldn't pull it out in Oregon State, which has already been eliminated in this year's tournament. They lost to the Beavers. But Arkansas wants to get things righted, and Dave Van Horde's team is going to welcome in Bianco's Sharks to come swim in northwest Arkansas. Here's Mike Bianco talking before his team climbed aboard a bus or a plane or however they swim to Fayetteville, the Sharks that is. And here's his thoughts heading into the Super Regionals. Yeah, familiar place, and uh, and you know, kind of we, we we knew that you know obviously when it was announced a week ago. But uh, I think you know the only difference is you know, I think you feel a little more comfortable you know uh, figuring out how to get there, and obviously who you're playing and scouting report wise. Um, but just like any super regional, you're playing a really good opponent, uh, you know, in a, in a tough tough environment. So uh, it's going to be a huge challenge for us. I, I don't think it changes much. I mean, you know, we you, know, you got to figure out how to you know pitch to their lineup. It, you know, you got to. Um, the, the good news is, the, you know, the starting pitching looks like it's you know all guys we faced, and certainly you know same bullpen. Uh, but again, I think there's too much that goes into that. I mean, to me, that's a, it's almost tongue in cheek. Yeah, the, it makes the scouting you know stuff a little easier, which it is. You know, you know less video maybe you have to watch and all that. But again, I know it's boring to hear, but it's it's more how you play, and uh, you know we've had success because we've we've played well. I don't know um, exactly what they meant by that. Uh, it, it'll be different. You know, the, the, those those ten thousand will be against us. Uh, uh, but I think he just means you know an electric environment with a lot of people, really loud, and uh, and I think that's one of the neat things you know about college baseball. But uh, yeah, uh, they'll they'll be wearing a different shade of red, and uh, I don't think the there'll, there'll be showers you know out in left field if we hit a home run. Is this where they're supposed to be? The expectation level that surrounded them, a super regional, and just making a deep postseason run. Oh, I think so. You know, you know, we we talked about it uh, a couple nights ago in the uh, the, the press conference that um, you know all the higher team, the 2019 team, deserves this, and obviously, but uh, uh, I think for me personally. Uh, it's fitting, you know, for the guys that were here last year, you know, that, uh, you know, they played so well in the regional and, uh, you know, get back uh, to, to a super regional and uh, hopefully have success this weekend. Mississippi Land Shark coach Mike Bianco, who's been on the scene now, I think it's 20 years in Oxford coaching the Mississippi Sharks, and his team will be in Fayetteville taking on Dave Van Horn's Arkansas Razorback baseball team in a super regional 
and the sharks are out to upset the hogs the hogs of course looking for redemption after a missed opportunity in 2019 and that will be an sec v sec game there in the super regionals and again this is a saturday game with these two teams getting together at noon on espn on saturday all right here are again a recap of the sec teams in the super regionals and the day and time they start vanderbilt welcomes in duke they're the only team playing on friday from the sec that's a 6 p.m start on espn 2 this friday now when we go to saturday that mississippi team will be taking on arkansas at bomb stadium that's a noon time start on saturday the LSU Tigers have Florida State coming to Alex Box. That's a 3 p.m. start on Saturday. The Auburn Plainsman Tigers will be suiting up on Saturday at high noon against the North Carolina Tar Heels there in Chapel Hill. And then Mississippi State, Duty Noble, is going to be wild. They had over 11,000 people at the regionals last weekend. They're going to easily, I think, surpass that when the Stanford Cardinal roll into Octibaha County for a Super Regional Series. First pitch in the Cardinal Bulldog Series. 3 p.m. Saturday that's scheduled for ESPN2 so congratulations to the six SEC member institutions for punching their super regional ticket when we come back on the y'all show we have news from throughout the SEC including a new bowl tie-in for the conference with the Big Ten of all teams or all conferences. Also, the Mississippi Athletic Director Ross Bjork is heading to another SEC institution. We'll let you know about that. John Calipari-Son says he's out of here and won't be suiting up for the Wildcats. Also, some Lady Vols news, and we'll have some fun talking about the new alcohol policy the SEC has just tweaked. All that coming up after the break on our SEC Spotlight of the Y'all Show. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you think you can solve any problem by turning your computer off and on. Hey man, is something wrong with your laptop? Nah, I just need to turn it off and on. It's no problem. It's smoking. Yeah, that just means it needs to reboot. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. And now it's on fire. Happens all the time. It's all good. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Go Big Blue! How about you, Wildcats? I happened to be passing through Lexington, Kentucky on Friday, and what a beautiful afternoon. They just need to fix some of the roads around Lexington, and they're working on that. I had to go through some kind of crazy bypass, but ended up getting on that Bluegrass Parkway and found my way to Nashville. But yes, what a lovely SEC town, Lexington, Kentucky. Speaking of the home college there, the Lexington-based Kentucky Wildcats, we've got some news on the basketball front we'll get to in just a second when it comes to Kentucky Wildcat sports. But first, let's talk a little SEC football as the Big Ten Conference and the Southeastern Conference will now be heading to the Las Vegas Bowl, and they'll take turns facing a Pac-12 opponent when this 
bowl game moves into the new billion-dollar NFL stadium that's being built in downtown Las Vegas, and that stadium will be available in 2020 when the Oakland Raiders transform into the Las Vegas Raiders, perhaps, or maybe that you're going to go by what the hockey team goes by, the Vegas Raiders. I'm not sure about that, but the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12 unveil bowl lineups for the 20 to 25 seasons Tuesday. Other FBS conferences are expected to release their future bowl agreements over the next several weeks. But the Big Ten has six-year agreements with 11 bowls, including new deals with the Las Vegas and the Belk Bowl in Charlotte. The Big Ten will alternate with the SEC in Las Vegas, the expected new home of the Raiders. And in Charlotte, with the Big Ten taking odd-numbered years in Vegas and even-numbered years in Charlotte. But the SEC, first time they're going to have a bowl presence in Las Vegas, and it becomes the furthest point west in the SEC's bowl lineup history. Who wants to sign up for that one? The SEC also added a new agreement with the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa and did not renew its contract with the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. The SEC will head into the new bowl cycle with 10 postseason slots, not counting the college football playoff. Over the last five years, the SEC has only had enough bowl-eligible teams to fill its Independence Bowl slot twice. So Independence Bowl seems to be a thing of the past when it comes to SEC teams. I think Vanderbilt might have been the last team to play there against NC State the year before last. I think I'm right on that. But sure enough, the SEC and Vegas. I think I'd take a trip to Vegas to see an SEC team play there, as long as it's not one of the teams I despise. And I'm not telling you who that is. All right, here's some other SEC football news. And here are two names that popped up in terms of baseball players that could go to the Major League Baseball draft, but ended up now deciding to stick with college football. One is Jerry and Ely of Mississippi. And also you have Maurice Hampton, an LSU commit. He's a defensive back. And they have both decided to let the MLB be a thing of the past. And they're going to go pursue their college careers at both Mississippi and LSU. Now, we're both projected as potential high draft picks in the MLB draft, which was held earlier this week. But neither Ely or Hampton were selected in the first round on Monday. And they've notified their schools that they intend to stay in school or stay with their plan to go enroll in school and be on the 2019 football rosters for both LSU and their SEC West rival, the Mississippi Landsharks. So good news if you're a fan of those schools that these guys will be playing football instead of going to some rookie league or instructional league or whatever they call it for for minor league baseball. Now to college basketball, we told you we had some Kentucky Wildcats news. UK basketball coach John Calipari says he understands why his son Brad Calipari, who's a guard on the UK team, has put his name in the transfer portal. The coach said Tuesday in a summer time, uh, he had, he gets together during the summer at least once and kind of has a very informal discussion with reporters around the bluegrass. And he said to the reporters, I mean, you know, do you blame him? He was in here three times yesterday working out. Do you blame him for wanting to play more and knowing who's here? He has gotten better. Absolutely, he's gotten better. So now he can look around, and I even told him to look at Division Two. What's wrong with that? But Brad Calipari, who made 15 appearances for John Calipari's team as a freshman and 12 appearances as a sophomore before redshirting last season, he's already graduated, and he would be eligible to play immediately as a graduate transfer, likely with two years of eligibility remaining, but looking to, to move on and play college basketball elsewhere. As a high school player, 
Calipari was a starting guard at the McDuffie School in Massachusetts, where he averaged 15.3 points per game and shot 47% from three-point range as a senior. But to have his father pretty much endorse his departure from UK, I guess is a good fatherly thing. He's not too upset letting him be his own, but Brad Calipari could be suiting up for a team near you soon, and we wish the young man all the best. And like I said, he's his son, but he's already graduated from the University of Kentucky, and that's what all these kids are supposed to be going to school for anyway, right? Yeah. All right, here's some Lady Vols news. Tennessee, with its new coach, has boosted its front court depth by adding a junior college transfer in Jaden McCoy. Now, McCoy is a six foot three center. She began summer classes at the Hill on Thursday and will be eligible to play for the Tennessee Lady Vols during the upcoming season. Kelly Harper, coach of the UT Vols, said in a statement that McCoy is a solid post player who has the ability to finish around the paint as well as knock down an outside shot. McCoy averaged 10.9 points and 6.1 rebounds this past season at Northwest Florida State College. She only played four games in the 2017-2018 season before breaking her her hip. She grew up in Knoxville and committed to play for Louisiana Tech out of high school, but changed her plans after the former coach at Louisiana Tech, Tyler Summit, stepped down. And then she signed with Virginia Tech, but ended up in junior college after the Hokies also changed coaches. But now, Jaden McCoy, a Knoxville native, back home in East Tennessee and will be a Lady Vols player here in 2019 now a former lady vols player is now going to be a member of the maryland terps as it's been announced that mimi collins has transferred from tennessee to maryland and that is going to boost the terps front court by adding this transfer she announced on may 2nd that she was leaving ut with the new coaching staff coming in and such collins is a six foot three forward who's a former mcdonald's all-american from waldorf maryland so going back to her native state and we'll be playing for the Maryland Terps of the Big Ten. Now to some college basketball, college basketball, football, baseball administrative news. The athletic director at the University of Mississippi has been on the job since around 2012, 2013. Ross Bjork is leaving Oxford, and he's been named the new athletic director at Texas A&M University in College Station. The 46-year-old replaces Scott Woodward, who left Aggieland to go to Baton Rouge, his alma mater, and take over the same role at LSU. Now, Bjork won't officially begin his job in College Station until in July when he takes over. R.C. Slocum will remain the interim AD until Bjork's arrival, and then Slocum will transition back to being a special assistant to the president. But Bjork, who's bounced around all kinds of places, I know he was at Missouri, and then he also has spent time at Western Kentucky as its athletic director. He wasn't the AD at Mizzou. He was just working there. I think he's been out at UCLA. He's been one of these guys that's been all over the place in his athletic administration career. But the then Rebels, now Land Sharks, as I call them, of the SEC West, they've had ups and downs with Bjork. I would say mostly downs. Sure, they had a incredible, what was it, 2015 season where they went to a Sugar Bowl and beat Oklahoma State. But you take that away, of which I think most of the wins of that season were vacated because of the off-the-field antics and also the really unfortunate conduct of the head coach, Hugh Freeze, of which Bjork fired. And maybe the best deal going during Bjork's tenure is he fired Hugh Freeze with a multi-multi-million dollar contract, and he fired him, and he didn't even have to pay him because what Freeze did with his phone and his contact off the field 
were grounds for dismissal without having to pay a settlement. So that is the legacy of Ross Bjork at the University of Mississippi. Of course, he's the guy that is part of the reason I'm calling them the land sharks. He allowed and permitted the land shark ridiculous, awful looking thing to show up on the sidelines and push the whole fins up movement there along with some of the other knucklehead fans of that school. And if that's what they want, that's what they're going to get. But now this guy's taking off. He's like, okay, I did all this and I'm out of here. I'm going to Texas A&M. And he's actually had the opportunity to move on before, but he didn't. He's stuck in Oxford, even though they were having all these problems off the field with coaching changes and such, not only in football, but basketball. Andy Kennedy was fired. And they brought in, was it Kermit Davis as the head coach of the Mississippi Landshark basketball team. And then this season, when his players on the basketball team all knelt during the national anthem, Bjork had to jump in there and I think create even more controversy and problems. And I think that was the the – the end of the deal he was thinking okay i just probably need to get out of here and that that's what's happened ross bjork now you're ad at texas a&m personally i think a&m probably could have got a better person than ross bjork but hey aggies you got plenty of money you can do whatever you want to you probably don't even need an athletic director well i don't know if ross bjork voted or not but when the sec powers that be including bjork got together at destin for the spring meetings the other day they have changed now the booze restrictions so the sec decided during the spring meetings to lift the ban on selling alcohol in public areas at athletic events the sec's new policy which opens another revenue stream for its member schools it goes into effect on august 1st the policy does not require schools to sell alcoholic beverages but it will allow them to sell beer and wine leaving the decision up to each member institution So if you want to booze it up, chances are most of your SEC teams legally and officially will start doing that this football season. And it's not just for football. It can be for any of the sports. So that would make your game day experience even more lively, perhaps. Well, NFL Network, I know he's a host. He's also got a lot of other roles he plays. And Rich Eisen is who I'm talking about. He had some fun with this new sec policy what could possibly go wrong rich eisen proclaimed let's listen to the popular national pundit rich eisen talk about this new rule of the sec lifting its in-stadium alcohol ban enjoy this at the biggest story in college football right now the sec has reportedly lifted its ban on stadium-wide alcohol sales effective august 1st however there are some restrictions what are this. they what are they here are the restrictions oh boy alcoholic beverages are to be sold and dispensed only at designated stationary locations there happen to be 100 of them but what so else there will be no okay. vent no no vendors walking around the walking street around. oh okay <laughs> gotta get your, may you not be get, sold you gotta get your drunk yes. ass up to you go gotta get, get, your, get your, yeah, yeah exactly okay. not not no vendors in the seating areas uh-huh. identification check required at every point of sale uh-huh. to prevent uh-huh. sale to minors of course college kids some course, of them are under course of course Alcoholic beverage sales limited to beer and wine only. Huh. No hard liquor, mixed drinks, Mike. Sorry. Oh, no Belvedere. In about, the public what? seated areas. Public seated areas. What does that mean? It means I think in the suites they can have hard liquor. Whatever they want to do. Right, yeah, sure. Limits must be established on the number of drinks purchased at one time. 
course. You, know, you don't want somebody going up there and buying eight and carrying them back to their they seat. They will not be serving Schaefer beer, as we established yesterday. <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. one beer to have when you're having, having more than one. one. Alcohol <laughs> must be dispensed into cups. There'll be no cans. There'll be all lots of cups. All right. Safe server training, additional training uh, for staff to handle high risk situations is required. Situations. What are the high risk situations? I would say somebody uh, over serving. Over serving. Yes, exactly. 0.0. Okay. Designated stop times for sale and or distribution must be enforced as follows. For football, end of the third quarter. End of the third quarter. For basketball. Men's second half, 12 minute TV timeout. Oh, Ooh, man. That's early in the that's second really half. Early. Minutes that's to early go. in the yeah. second half. For women's, end of the third quarter. For baseball, college baseball, end of the seventh inning, the top mm. of the seventh. Okay. Softball, end of the top of the fifth. Other sports, designated time to be determined no later, however, than 75%. Of the events, regulation oh, okay. length. Yeah, fine. Oh, the SEC's got it. this. They got it. Yeah. I'm what sure could, none what, of these. We, exactly. What, what, could, what go could go wrong? wrong? You know. So here's my two thoughts on this. <laughs> Here are my two thoughts on this. One is the wine skin industry is going to take a massive hit. Massive hit. College kids don't drink wine. Well, the wine skins. You you bring it to the game. The flask. Okay. Oh, the flask oh, industry. Oh, yeah, okay. You know what a wine skin is, right? Yes. I, okay. That, nobody, call, nobody, nobody calls it that. What do they call it? Flask. A, well, I mean, a flask is metal object. Yes. You got to take it out. They have plastic some, now. Some of them aren't. All right. Plastic now. So what could possibly go wrong in a student section? No, I, have I, no have idea. Idea. I have no idea. No, they've got it under control. Yeah. It just means more to them. We know. We know. The SEC. The NFL Network's Rich Eisen having some fun on this syndicated show talking about the SEC's decision to lift the in-stadium alcohol ban. Woo! It's going to be crazy. And all these crazy stadiums that are crazy already. Cray, cray, cray all the way around. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a place like Bryant-Denny Stadium and they've got people walking in with cups of beer. That's the way it's going to be. And they're not going to have to hide it anymore. And it's going to be... Maybe they'll make more money. Like the SEC needs more money. I don't know what that is. But, hey, that's the rule. That's the way it goes. And, and appreciate Rich, Rich Eisen out in Los Angeles having some fun at the SEC's expense. Well, that will conclude our y'all show here on this D-Day Thursday edition. Thank you all for tuning us in as we've had our SEC spotlight this hour as well as a great conversation with author Kevin Powers to start this hour. And remember, as we wrap up today's show, it is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And thank you to all of our heroes of yesteryear. And for those handful of D-Day vets that are still with us, some of which made the long journey to Normandy this week, thank you for your dedication and sacrifice. We'll be right back here on Friday with a whole new y'all episode. We've got Friday free for y'all coming your way hashtag hullabaloo and we'll take a look at the super regionals which are getting ready to go down on friday and saturday as well all that on our friday show you don't want to miss it and thanks for listening to y'all with john rawl talk with a southern accent Hi, I'm Paul. I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. Another wireless ad. I know how you feel. 
And it seems like they're always full of this complicated, tricky language about their networks and offers and blah, blah, blah. Well, Sprint is going to do things differently and let you decide for yourself with their new 100% total satisfaction guarantee. Try it for 30 days, love it, or your money back. See? Simple. Now get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. So switch now. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1 today. 30-day guarantee with new line of service. S10 128 gigabyte, $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit for 18 months credit applied within two bills. But canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto pay. Data D prioritization during congestion. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Speed maximums use rules, $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Message and data rates may apply. Up to eight messages a month. TNC and privacy policy found at purple.com. Reply help for help or stop to cancel. Not to brag, but the Purple Mattress is a pretty big deal. And so is our Purple Memorial Day sale. For a limited time, get up to $100 off and a free set of luxury purple sheets when you buy a mattress. That's up to $229 in savings. Our biggest sale ever. What makes Purple such a big deal? It's the only mattress that gives your back the firm support it needs and the soft comfort you crave at the same time. No matter your body type or favorite sleep position, Dreading those hot summer nights? Purple's one-of-a-kind comfort technology naturally stays cool all night so you don't sweat the bed. Not to mention it isolates motion, is non-toxic, and is made right here in the USA. Because the best rest of your life starts on Purple. Don't miss out on Purple's humongous Memorial Day sale. Get $100 off and free sheets by texting TRY to 84888. Shop the best deal yet by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888. 